Hello and welcome to today's podcast. Today is February 25th of 2021. This is Brother Fernando. We want to thank you for tuning in once again, and we want to thank you for your continuous prayer uh, as we endeavor to preach the gospel. Today's podcast will be a pre-recorded Bible teaching done by Brother Marty Martinez. The title of the Bible teaching is, We See Not Our Signs. We pray that this podcast will bless you, encourage you, and above all, remember, keep looking up. Good to see you again this Sunday morning. It's been quite a week, to say the least. Uh, We're glad you're joining us. Those of you who are watching now and those that will watch later, we are going to be looking at the Word of God today. I'm glad and honored that you would tune in. And I pray today uh, would bless you, encourage you, strengthen you, inform you, and all that good thing. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the listening audience. Those that are viewing, those that will view later, for their families, their children, their loved ones, and themselves, we pray your blessing. We ask you to honor us with your presence now as we go into your word, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen amen and amen. Well, it's been quite a week since we last gathered. uh, We've witnessed, at least in my lifetime, you know, a most historic week, both in American history <clears throat> and in global history, really. I was uh, listing uh, what was going on around the world this morning. I was looking at uh, the multiple protests that are taking place all over the world, uh, from Berlin to London to Paris to the Netherlands to Australia. It seems like the entire world is moving together Uh, as one and uh, you know we're going to be focusing today primarily on on our country and and what we see uh, transpiring and uh, so that's what we're going to look at it's been quite a week and uh, you know we saw several things this week we saw we saw peaceful protests during the daytime and then they would give way to violent protests at night where they were burning down buildings and setting cars on fire and just in general all kinds of mayhem everywhere we also saw the deployment of the national guard across america the last time we had troops on our streets like that was 9-11 so that kind of gives us a indication of how serious things became this week and also uh on monday the the president of the united states threatened to uh to invoke the insurrection act which was written somewhere back in the 1800s where it gave him the authority to deploy United States military forces, active duty soldiers on the streets of America. And uh, I I was just blown away at seeing all that kind of stuff. You know, you had our police, you had our National Guard, and then there was a threat 
of the American military coming to our streets. This is unprecedented, but what happened after that was very unique. We're going to look at some prophetic things today, and, uh, and I hope that, uh, that it stirs your, your thoughts, because we really want to ask, what in the world is actually going on here? Can we see parallels? Can we see patterns? Can we see things that are very um, instructive in the Word of God as to our times as well? You know, the Bible teaches us to, to look at the historical narrative in the Scriptures and, uh, and to learn from what happened to those societies so that we can make some sense when things are turbulent and volatile like they are right now. Something happened when the president came out this week and, and uh, invoked uh, the, uh, the Insurrection Act. And I think that we can't let that pass by. We as the people who study scripture and, and love the Lord, we have to look at these things and understand just how dangerous things are right now in our country. Because after that happened, uh, we've seen a crisis emerge in the federal government. After the president made that statement, the, the United States Defense Secretary, which is supposed to be his cabinet, um, uh, Defense Secretary Mike Esper, <clears throat> and also the former Defense Secretary uh, who uh, Esper replaced, General Four-Star General Mattis, and, and a host of officials at the Pentagon, the whole military establishment, including 86 current and former high-ranking military officials, publicly broke with the President of the United States. And in case you don't understand just how crazy that is, the President of the United States is supposed to be the, the Commander-in-Chief of the U.S. Armed Forces. And the Defense Secretary is supposed to be working under his command. So to see a movement within the military establishment break ranks with the President that they're supposed to be under in case we don't understand, this is a very, very volatile moment in the United States history. You couple that with the mayors and the governors around the nation who, well, in Washington, D.C., for instance, the mayor uh, ordered that the National Guard completely disarm itself. And that left the streets vulnerable in the sense that there was no protection for the guard. And, and then they painted along... Uh, the avenue that leads up to the White House, they painted in big, bold let letters, you know, Black Lives Matter and, and, uh, and some other phrases, some other choice phrases, and they changed the name of the street to Black Lives Matter. Now, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not here to discuss politics with you, but just to paint an overall picture of what we've seen in a week. And in case we don't understand, the best way I can say it, America is under siege and the country that we've known literally is teetering on the collapse of its foundations. The military establishment and the executive presidential branch coming apart at the seams. This is dangerous in case you don't, don't really understand the flow of it. I mean, those of you who are older like me, you know, you know that these things are very serious. I've never seen it in my lifetime. I'm almost 60 years old. This is dangerous when you have generals breaking from the policy set forth by the President of the United States because it implies uh, something that you know, could actually lead to something very precarious and dangerous, quite possibly even the removing of a president by force or a crisis of, of incredible um, 
uh, implications in our country could just be ahead in, in the days ahead, and we need to be watching this very clearly now. I don't want to discuss politics. I'll leave that to others, but <clears throat> I do want to speak on the prophetic and spiritual aspects of what we're witnessing here. And, and uh, you know, uh, something significant happened on May the 29th, that was last Friday, just before midnight. And I'm going to be addressing issues that relate to the church in America. And, you know, just before midnight, the United States Supreme Court voted five to four with uh, Chief Justice Roberts siding with the liberal aspect of the court. He upheld a challenge to California Governor Newsom's executive order in California, which, was in, which has imposed severe restrictions on the, uh, on the opening of churches and the worship services because of the coronavirus. That was the, that was the law that he passed. And the restrictions that he placed on the churches for people gathering have pretty much made it almost impossible for these people to gather, no matter what religion you are. Um, and so one of the churches took it to the Supreme Court and tried to challenge it. And it was on, on, on at midnight, ironically, that the decision came down that upheld the California law, preventing the churches from gathering uh, without severe restriction on how they how they gather and what they do. What? Was it Kavanaugh? Is that... No, Chief oh. Justice Roberts, okay. who was a Bush appointee, who's the Chief Justice of the United States, he sided with the four liberal Obama appointees saying uh, that that the law was valid and that it could be upheld. The dissenting voice was Judge Kavanaugh, oh. who said that, you know, why is it that we can open up, you know, marijuana shops? Why is it we can gather in, in, in other things? And I was thinking about this, and I thought, you know, in the meantime, the irony is is that we're having these massive protests, and the same governors and all that that don't want us to meet in our churches um, are, are relatively silent on these massive gatherings that are taking place in our streets. So what is it? Is it a pandemic or a plandemic? <laughs> it's okay if we're burning down our streets and looting our stores and threatening the very fiber of our country. That's okay as long as you wear a mask, right? But God forbid we meet in our churches and call upon the Lord. Anyway, so two days later, and this is what I want to focus on today. Last Sunday night on May the 31st, as the day the peaceful protest gave way to the night, Thousands of protesters surrounded the White House in a violent clash with the Secret Service agents, injuring over 50 Secret Service agents. And uh, they threatened to breach the White House. They were literally jumping the fences and throwing Molotov cocktails, setting fires to the perimeters of the White House. I, I, I was blown away seeing this is the White House, the most powerful seat of power in the world. And we had our streets that night, last Sunday night. Um, they were trying to overrun it. They actually say they took the President of the United States down into a secure bunker for his own safety just in case because so many officers were being hurt. And I wonder if, it's interesting, but the two seem connected to me. You know, on, uh, on the 29th, Friday night, the Supreme Court votes, eh, churches aren't important. Everything else is, but churches. We're going to have to put these draconian measures on them. 
and, uh, and, and prevent them really from having the kind of services that they're that, that they're allowed to have. They can't function at more than twenty five percent of capacity. You can't shake hands. You can't sing songs. Seriously. But it seems that the removing of that respect for the institution of of of, of our religious freedom of exercise there gives way two days later to where they're surrounding the White House trying to burn it down and <clears throat> at the same time and this is the thing that really got me was during that time when they were trying to burn the White House down I can't even believe I'm saying that uh, protesters turned their attention uh, to to one of the oldest churches in the United States just down the street from the White House that church is called St. John's Episcopal Church. It was built around 1816. It's known as the, the Church of the Presidents. Every president since James Madison has attended service there with the exception of Rick, Richard Nixon, uh, which isn't no surprise there. But, uh, <laughs> but to see the crowd turn at the same time and go to this historic church and light it on fire. They lit it on fire. And then they spray painted on the sides of the walls symbols of Antifa, of Black Lives Matter. And they even spray painted an upside down cross on the church. Which, is, for those of you who know, that's a symbol of the devil, man. The real question, though, is I think, you know, rather than looking at all, oh, this is just horrible stuff, right? As it relates to the church, man, I want to ask the question, uh, why is all this happening? I mean, we just came out of New Year's Eve into 2020, and it seems like overnight a, a switch was flipped, and the entirety of history has changed. We were headed one way, and all of a sudden it's as if we ran into this massive wall, and everything came to a sudden stop. It was just a few weeks into it, suddenly we were locked down in our houses, not just in America, but the entire planet. And that's why it's significant. Because what we have been experiencing is that which has shut us in our houses, and, and we have seen an, an implementation of governmental force, and I'm speaking about America here now, upon the most free land in the face of the earth and suddenly we were being told you can't go out, you can't meet, you can't worship and, and, and you can't do all these things and then when they begin to relax the restrictions of it after about two months Memorial Day weekend we have this horrendous killing of, a, of, a, of an innocent man by, uh, by the police officers and suddenly when it felt like in one weekend we were gonna maybe have a little bit of breathing room suddenly we find ourselves in an accelerated, uh, even more intense crisis. Because now we have our streets flooded with protests, flooded with riots, cities on fire, everywhere. And, and then we have troops being sent into our streets. And so... I could put the blame in so many places and, and, and what's, you know, what's vogue in the evangelical community is to blame everybody else, right? They want to point their fingers at, you know, at, at, at the liberal left or they want to point their fingers at, at uh, you know, every kind of organization that they want to point their fingers at because society's coming apart. And that would, that's just too convenient to me. 
Because remember what the Bible says that Jesus told his church? He said that the church was supposed to be a light, a city that's set on a hill. And that the very sheer force of the, of the godliness and the kindness and the love and, and, and the uh, representation of all that is good and decent and honest and just was supposed to flow out of a particular body of people within the nation itself, which is the church of Jesus Christ. And so when we come to these kinds of situations that we find ourselves in right now, we have to ask ourselves, how did we get here? It's too convenient to blame everyone else that we think is a bad person. You know, it's Planned Parenthood. It's the LGBTQXYOG or whatever, how many alphabet letters they have community. It's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's Nancy Pelosi. It's Cortez. It's the Green New Deal. It's Greta from wherever she's from. <laughs> that really mean little 17-year-old kid who wants us, who wants us to chew celery and, and never drive a car again. You know, whatever. I mean, it's so easy to, to point our fingers at all these people, right? But, uh, but when God talks to us, he talks to his church. And what makes America unique amongst all the nations is like Israel of old, she was unique amongst the nations because she's made up, not like Israel of old, but America was made up of every tribe, every tongue, every race, every creed, every color. But in her original founding documents, I'm not saying we were perfect, but we cut a covenant with God and the Constitution was born out of that. We, 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 quote, we quote things from the Constitution like uh, we believe in, in our inalienable rights that were given to us by our Creator. The right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That all men are created and endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights. That, that, that comes from the very founding documents of this nation. Now you can debate what kind of men they were, so forth and so on. That's not what we're talking about because when God looks at a nation and a nation calls upon him to bless them. Like Benjamin Franklin said, sirs, we're at an impasse. He said, we've searched the, the history books to look at the finest uh, you know, uh, governments that, that men have produced and we've come to an impasse. And then Franklin stands up and he tells those guys at the Continental Congress when they're founding the Constitution, we need to pray. We need to ask the same God that helped us overthrow the tyranny of, 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 of the British government and have given us this fragile thing we call the United States. We need his help in forging a document that will be the foundational uh, premise by which a nation will grow and thrive and be blessed. And, and he said, if we think we can do that without the assistance of God, he said, we're, we're no better than those who tried to build the Tower of Babel. And, he's, and he quoted the scripture, and he said, Unless the Lord build the house, they that build it, build it in vain. And so we became a nation that set out with a desire to, to follow the precepts of God. But we tragically, over the years, have, have so strayed far away from that. And that's why we can't point the finger at anything or anyone else. Because the church was always meant to be the moral conscience of the nation. And my focus is directed right at the doorstep of the religious establishment of our time. The ruling religious elite is what I like to call them because that's what they are. You know, for many decades now, this has been coming. We abrogated our moral authority. We stepped aside. 
We relaxed our standards. We began to let things into our family. I'm not talking about the world now. The world is the world. I'm talking about those who claim to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You know, whether it was the failure from the 1980s, where we saw huge ministries, evangelists falling and, 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 and being exposed as they fell before our eyes. It shook the church. And then in the 90s, we had the rise of the greedy prosperity preachers, right? I mean, wherever they turned God into a big giant bank for their own pleasure. And that's given way into our time, the, the 21st century, to this hyper-charismatic Pentecostal uh, so-called culturally relevant megachurch kind of thing, right? <clears throat> That's what we have now. But in their striving to be culturally relevant, <clears throat> they allowed the culture to affect them. And the, and the morals and the standards and, 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 and the beauty of the reflection of Christ that once was the, the, the quest of the church has given way to... Uh, to, to <laughs> to a need to be embraced by the very world that we were called to change. And as a result, we've completely lost our moral authority, man. You know, this same thing happened thousands of years ago to Jerusalem. They, they were once a great nation. They were the people of God. They were once that city that was a beacon uh, to, the, to the nations. Uh, it, it was the great temple of Solomon and, and the great... A nation that Moses rescued from Egypt under the hand of God and King David and, and, and all that great stuff you read about in your Bible. But they were overrun by their own moral failure and their compromise. And, and God lifted his hand from their nation and they couldn't see it. And, and and I'm not going to be very much longer this morning, but I want to I want to I just want to look at something because there was a there was a choir director by the name of Asaph. And and he described what happened to them. As they came under, the history of their nation, the last days of the nation that they had known, they were about to be judged and were really up under judgment. And if you have your Bibles, just just look at Psalm seventy four. I'm in Psalm seventy four. I want, to, I want to read something to you there because Asaph begins to describe the last days of Jerusalem when they came, when the when the when a global empire infiltrated the land and began to uh, to attack them. And I want to begin reading from verse four because he's in the midst of describing what happened to them as a society. He says, "Thine enemies roar in the midst of thy congregations." And they set up their ensigns for signs. And what he literally meant by that was that the armies had come as a result of God removing his protective hand. That which they had known, the peace, the calm, the freedom, the blessing, suddenly overnight they were infiltrated by a whole new paradigm. A whole new reality came into their culture and society and they were absolutely blown away by it. And he said what the enemies did was they came and they set their flag right in Jerusalem and right in the temple of God. And that made me think of what I was talking to you about earlier about St. John's church being burned. If you can see it, it, it's symbolic to us now. Because they came and spray painted their, their signs, their symbols, 
And they wanted it to be a sign. They were making a statement the other night when they tried to burn that church down, just like they did thousands of years ago. They came, the foreign foreign armies invading, and they stuck their flag and their signs right smack dab in the middle of a symbol of God, as if they were saying, we reject this God. And that's in essence what was happening on Sunday night. It's the culmination of so many people saying, we don't want... We don't want this, this, this thing anymore. We don't want God either. We don't want anything that, that is a semblance of what once was or pretended to be a great nation, a great society, a great Judeo-Christian culture. They're literally saying, we don't want it. And they're spraying their symbols on the side of the church. That's what they did thousands of years ago. And why are you saying that, Brother Marty? Because, because we have to look at these things and understand what are we seeing? Are we seeing judgment? Are we seeing the shift of the entire planet? Are we seeing the destruction of this once great land? Not because of all the outside forces, but because of the decades-long compromise that has seeped into the church and into the systems of the church and amongst the ruling elite that have led the church astray and presented to it on a silver platter all the trappings of the world and said, you can have both this and God. And it was a lie. And it broke down the sacredness of what it is that the scripture uh, lifts us into embracing as a higher standard with a heavenly goal in mind. And when you remove the light and the distinguishable light from the church, then you remove everything that, 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 is a, that is a restraining force. There's always been darkness. There's always been sin. There's always been craziness. But not to this extent. Not in this land. Not since the days of the Civil War have we seen these kinds of things. And it was back then because, because of what men did to men. Because of slavery. Because they laid down the principles of the Scripture at, at that time. And men became masters over men, and they embraced the word of God and claimed they, were, they had the right to do it. They failed in their time, and it cost this nation dearly. And here we are all these years later, and we are a house divided. And they sought to burn down the church the other night, because when they see it, they see compromise, they see phoniness, they see hypocrisy. It was the same when Jesus came and he pointed his finger at the Pharisees. And he said, you're like whited sepulchers. You're all clean and white on the outside. He said, but the truth is on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones and all sorts of corruption. He said, because of this, your house is a house of desolation, the home of the lizard and the spider and he said this you will not see me here again until you cry blessed is he that comes in the name of the lord god is saying the same thing to the church in this country right now you will not see my blessing on this land again until you turn from your ways and cry out to me and say blessed is he that cometh in the name of the lord he said they set up their insigns for signs and then he said a man was famous according This sounds weird. This is verse 5. He says, A man was famous according as he had lifted up his axes upon the thick trees. I mean, what does that mean? Well, what he's actually saying there is that we used to be known in the old days, before this temple they've desecrated happened, 
He said, we used to be known for our men who were strong and who were God-fearing. And when it says that they used to lay the axe upon thick trees, he's actually describing and lamenting and crying out that we had strong men of God who built this house. Yes. That's what he's saying. That we had, we had statesmen, we had princes, we had, we had men of integrity in the ministry. We had homes that were blessed and, 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 and marriages that were chaste and children that, that loved their parents and on and on and on. And this was driven by the men in the culture. Who, who, who were strong in the Lord and, and, and the house that they built for God came from thick, strong trees. It was really reflective of the quality of the character that they possessed on the inside. It wasn't just an outward show. It was an inward reflection and an outward display of the consecration and, and the joy in the serving of the Lord and the understanding that each generation has a call to take the fragility of freedom and liberty and blessing from God and hand it off to the next generation even better than they received it. But after decades of failing to do that, we have what we see today. It's almost like coronavirus is in the background now. We don't even think about it. Like it's over. It ain't over. It's just what has happened is, is the next phase of something so outrageous. And so he laments that the once great men, they're no longer present in the nation. That no longer, it's a nation that no longer has men of God who have a moral and a spiritual strength. They were famous for it. But then he says in verse 6, but now referring to the enemy, he says, they break down the carved work thereof. At once with axes and with hammers. What does that mean, Brother Marty? What he was literally saying was the enemy has come with axes and hammers. It's very symbolic. Axes represent the systematic cutting away of something, right? That's what an axe does. It chops it down. That's what's been happening to us for, for decades now. And it's as if we're bearing the fruit of the harvest of our compromise within the church. Again, I'm not pointing my finger at the world. I'm not blaming anyone out there. I'm talking to the believers. I'm talking to the church. God said in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people, not the world, if my people will humble themselves and, 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 and pray and turn, not from the world's wicked ways, but from their wicked ways. That's an astonishing statement. He's not just saying, ah, you know, you kind of deal with stuff and you got a little problem here and there, you're working it through. No, no, no. He said that they reached the point where they, they were wicked. Why? Because there's nothing more wicked than becoming a professionally ritualistic, professional person in, 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 in religion. Where you can go to church on Sunday and live like the devil Monday through Saturday. Where no one in your workplace or in your school system or wherever you hang, they, don't, they wouldn't even know that you believed in God. They'd probably be shocked if they drove by and saw you through the window on Sunday morning. What's he doing in there? My God, he was just partying with me on Thursday. I mean, that's how it's gotten. Or I saw their pastor down at the local bar having a, having a Bible study. Are you kidding me? But that's what they do nowadays. They've abrogated their moral authority. And Asaph said, man, when judgment came on our land, it was because of these things. 
And it's as if he's sending an echo down the corridors of time and history and it's come to lay right smack dab in the middle of this country at the doorstep of the church. And he says, why? What happened? So it's a systematic cutting away. They, they came with axes and hammers. Hammers represents the aggressive nature. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, just a tearing down. Axes cut away, hammers finish it off. It's a brutal blow. And that's kind of what's happened to us. It started little by little chopping away at the fabric of what we were and what we aspired to be. And then once that, that, that barrier of, of, of stealthiness is removed, they no longer need the axe. Now they just come with the hammer, man. That's what they're doing right now. Defund the police. <laughs> they come with the hammer. You know what I'm saying? And this reminds me of the burning of the church. Because it goes on in verse 7 to say, Then they cast fire into the sanctuary. They lit the place on fire. They lit the temple. The church, their church is on fire. And they have defiled it by casting the dwelling place of thy name to the ground, God. He says, you used to be up here in our nation. And they came and, and, and knocked it down here because of us. Because of us. That's what he says. It, it, he said, you cast God's name to the ground. It's symbolic of the absolute rejection of him. And he says, we were up under judgment. And then he says this in verse 8, and, and I want you to listen here, if you're still around and I haven't scared all of you off. He says, uh, <clears throat> they said in their hearts, let us destroy them together. Persecution is coming. They want to eradicate the God you claim to serve. And there's good people that suffer because of what the compromised have done. But that's what they're after. The fact that they would take such a symbol in our nation's capital and set it on fire, spray paint the symbols of Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and an upside down cross which is blatantly satanic on the church of the presidents. They're coming after us. And that's what... Asaph said, they said in their hearts, let us destroy them together. Destroy who? Anyone who believes in Jesus Christ. If you don't think it's possible, go over to China and check it out. Or Africa. Or India. Or Eastern Europe. Or, or South or Central America. I mean, go anywhere else. They are attacking your brothers and sisters as we live. And America has lived high on the high on the proverbial hog, if you will, the Christian church. So enamored with the fashions of the day. It's, it's, it, it, it's, it's more in love with the things of the world than the blessed presence of the Spirit of God. It's changed the way they do everything. It's forsaken the traditions of the elders. It no longer holds to the tried and true principles of Scripture, but they twist it now. And everything rather than being heavenly minded is myself, me, myself, and I, self-centered, myopic kind of religion. So I can have a trophy wife and a five-star resort vacation and 3.6 kids that all get A's and drive in a Bentley. That's what they say Jesus is about. That's not Jesus. That's a false gospel preached by false preachers and it has eroded the very fabric uh, of, of the nation that we once were because there's no longer a moral conscience. There's no longer a moral voice. There's no longer, and even if they try to be, have some semblance of that, the world looks at it and mocks it. They say together, let's just destroy them. 
Because they're no different than us, but they put themselves up like they're something, but they're nothing. They want to be like us. And, the, and really, the truth of the matter is, for the most part, many, many churches have become that way. And this didn't happen overnight. But their intent is going to be to destroy us. And, 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 he, and then he reflects and says, they've already burned up all the synagogues of God in the land. All their churches throughout the land. And what is that? How does that relate to us today? Well, <laughs> I mean, the churches have been shut for three three months practically. People are meeting in parking lots and out in fields because they they won't let them in the building. It's very symbolic. The doors have been shut. They're coming after you and me. In verse nine, he says, and that's really what we're talking about. We do not see our signs. Even after all this was happening, Asaph said, with all this mayhem breaking out on, on Jerusalem, he said, the people of God didn't get it. They had no discernment. And the reason they had no discernment, he said, is because we don't have any prophets anymore. You know, and prophets were, were meant to guide the nation, to warn the nation, to, to, to warn the people of impending doom if they continued to persist in the way that they had been living. How much time we got, Mary? That is it. All right, give me, give me five minutes. Well, Prophet Jeremiah lived to see all this happen. And, and, and when, when Asaph says, we don't have no prophets, he says, the people don't even understand we're living in historic prophetic times. And he says, the reason they don't understand that is because their preachers don't tell them nothing. I don't know how many, if you're listening to me, you obviously didn't go to church. But for most people that go to church, right? They, they go to these big churches and, 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 they, and they get, you know, these little messages, you know, with these, you know, these, <laughs> these tap dancing, skinny jean wearing, you know, tattoos on their arms that say Jesus and Moses and gel in their hair. And they say, that's the pastor. Oh my God, are you kidding me? We need some John the Baptist in our day, man. We need some Elijahs. We need some Moseses and King Davids, Samuels, great men and women of God, like Esther and Ruth and Sarah, Elizabeth, holy women, holy men, to call the nation back to God. But Asaph said, we reached the point where, where they put all that aside. They didn't want that anymore. And so we ended up with an establishment religion that was greedy of gain and, 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 and preached absolutely nothing. And after several decades, it, it caused the, the, the protective covering over our blessed land to be removed. And we see what we see. And this, this is what Jeremiah saw when, when he said, let me look at this, it's in Lamentations. That's, I know you all read Lamentations every day, but just in case, you don't. We're going to look at it. It's an obscure book, but it's really a book. We're almost done. It's a, it's a, it's a book that, that, uh, <clears throat> that was written by Jeremiah. He witnessed all this that we're talking about. And he, uh, he wrote concerning what Asaph says. The reason we're in this position, he says, is because we don't have any prophets. And <clears throat> are you there, guys? Mm-hmm. It's in the, uh, it's in Lamentations, can I borrow your Bible? Mm -hmm. I lost my place. It's in Lamentations chapter 2, and it's uh, 14 and 15. 
This is what Jeremiah said, why all this happened to them. He says, your prophets have seen vain and foolish things for you. They have not discovered your iniquity. In other words, the kind of preachers they had didn't even want to tell them, hey, we shouldn't be doing this. You know, maybe you should watch out. You shouldn't be living like this. He says the kind of prophets they had would never even approach trying to say there's right and there's wrong. There's black, <laughs> there's black and there's white. There's good and there's bad. He said, your prophets, he said, your prophets, uh, all they've seen is empty and foolish things for you. And they didn't discover your iniquity. They didn't, they didn't keep you walking with God so that you could be turned away from all this captivity that's come upon you. Instead, they've seen false burdens and causes of banishment. In other words, he says, the effect of their ministry has brought you to the point where everything is breaking loose all around you. And, and the beauty and the blessing and all the things that you once enjoyed have been taken from you. And now listen to this. He goes on to say, And now everyone that passes by you, Jerusalem, they clap their hands, they hiss, they wag their head at the daughter of Jerusalem, and they say this, Is this the city that men call the perfection of beauty? Is this the joy, the city that is the joy of the whole earth? That's what happened to Jerusalem. And when I saw Washington, D.C. burning the other night, troops on the streets, churches on fire, people beating each other up, flashbang grenades going off. I watched the news around the world and they're all looking at America going, what in the world? The whole world is watching Washington, D.C. and they're saying the same thing. Is this the joyful city? My God, do we actually see what's happening? Do you understand? And so, you can Google this, but on Thursday, after all this stuff we're describing, because everything I'm describing to you right now has happened in the last five days, six days. And, and then I, I saw on Thursday, remember, after the president went and he marched over to that church that they burned down and he held up a Bible. He didn't say anything. He just held up a Bible. Oh, he said, yeah, we could be, we were a great country. We're going to be a great country. I don't blame him. Where's all the preachers that were running up and down in the White House? The Copelands and the Paula Whites and the Benny Hens and the, the John Hagees. They've all abandoned him. If you notice, he's just standing there. He didn't even know how to hold it. I don't know if any of you saw it. He's out there. He's like, how do you hold this thing? I mean, uh, but this is the Messiah? I don't blame the brother. I actually felt sorry for him. I don't think I've ever seen a man more alone in my life. But where's all the preachers? You know why they weren't standing with him? Because they know he's not going to be there forever. And they're so politically correct. And they're so worried about what everyone will think about them. And they're more worried about their big mega ministries and losing donations if they were to actually go stand with this man who they've used and rode all the way to get whatever they wanted done. And now, in the moment of crisis, when we need statesmen and prophets and leaders to stand up and call a nation to God, they were incredibly silent, incredibly absent. The whole world's looking at Washington, D.C. going, is this the city that makes the whole world joyful? My, my. And then Thursday night, after all this, on Thursday night, the most intense lightning storm in, in years, they said, struck Washington, D.C. I don't know if you saw it, but you Google it. Thursday night, Washington, D.C. They said it was the worst lightning storm they'd seen in decades. And the Washington Monument, 
got struck twice. And if you Google it and see the film that people took of it, you'll see it's it looks like <laughs> I mean it looks like man God is mad <laughs> at these people or what's going on here. Because it was it was of a biblical sort, man. I saw the film of it and went, Oh my goodness, that happened on Thursday. Alright. So in Isaiah twenty six, and this I'm gonna close right here. Isaiah twenty six. Because people go, Okay, so you've just got me totally depressed. And everything sucks, right? Okay, well, <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> well, first of all, as the children of God, it is most vital that we understand what's happening. You see, there's those that are going to continue to wrap themselves in their pseudo-patriotism and, 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 and their false spirituality masquerading under the guise of Christianity. But they're going to do so to their peril. They just don't get it. Everything has changed. And it's going to get even more frightful. And more apparent just how much things have changed. In the days ahead. You remember what I'm telling you. The days of sorrow have begun. And most people can't even begin to wrap their mind around it yet. Because they've never seen the likes of it, especially in this country. I've traveled the world with my family. I've seen Beijing, China. I've seen Russia. Uh, I've, <laughs> we, I've been around South and Central America. We've stood on the fields of Africa. And every time we flew home... It was, it was amazing because as soon as you cross into the airspace of the United States, you can feel the difference. Just crossing into the airspace. And we've known such blessing in this. Not, 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 not without turmoil. We've always had turmoil. But something different has happened. And I think you can sense it. Something. This isn't going to stop. And you'll see. Remember, the Lord told Isaiah something, and in his Isaiah 26, 20, and I'm talking to the people of God now, listen. Because you have two choices. You can go out there and pretend to be this, you know, patriotic thing, you know, take your AR-15 and, <laughs> and wear your MAGA hat. Ah, that makes people mad when I say that. But that's not our hope, man. It's too late for that. And this ain't no downer message, but I'm telling you, our hope has never been in this world. When was the last time you heard a message on heaven? Or when was the last time you actually heard someone mention Jesus in their messages? This isn't our, 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 our home. God is calling us to elevate, to transcend above the, the fog of the chaos and the mayhem. And to understand that He's pulling us upward and onward to a glorious and magnificent destiny that will never end. But we need to ask ourselves, if these are the days, and the days have begun, where the world as we know it will never be the same, and, and, and the Bible predicts not some very cool things are coming, what do we do? Do we go out there and fight it? In Jeremiah's day, when judgment finally came and began to happen, he said, look, man, don't, don't try and fight this, because if you do, you're going to get in trouble. 
And this is my advice. I'm not saying God told me this, but this is what I see in the pattern of the history of the word. And you go study it for yourself. But he told Isaiah to tell the people in Isaiah 26, verse 20. He said, Come, my people, and enter into your chamber and shut the doors about thee and hide yourself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation passes over you because the Lord is coming out of His place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. And the earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. Justice is coming. But he says, between now and then, he's telling his people, be careful. The Lord told Isaiah to tell the people, hide yourself. What does that mean? <laughs> that means prepare. Be practical. These are dangerous times. Be smart. We need to seek God and pray. Preach to your relatives again. Preach to your neighbors. Save as many souls as we can while it's still daytime. Because the night is coming. It's already begun to broke, break over the land. The shadows are growing really long. And we need each other as the church more than we ever have. The true church. The true church knows what I'm talking about. Those of you out there who know Him, we need to open our eyes and see the signs. Goodness sakes, we had this massive uh, asteroid fly by the, our, our, our neighborhood last night. We've got a tropical storm brewing in the Gulf, and they're saying it's going to be the worst hurricane season in, in, in decades this year. Throw in COVID-19, which hasn't gone away, by the way. Whether you believe it or not, it's still there, or they're going to use it at least. Once this thing we're going through right now lifts, if it does... We'll see where we're headed in the next few days. It's, it's, a, it's an incredible, volatile time, but it's just beginning. And so God's people need to understand that and we need to position ourselves being led by the Holy Spirit. And those that are of the true church, they know this. They sense this. They're looking for the return of Jesus Christ. Not for another presidential victory in November. Although, <laughs> that's our hope. The Lord, His return, right? That's our hope. And that's what we're looking for. I don't mean to be a downer this day, and I hope I'm not. I'm trying to encourage you. We need to be smart. We need to be focused. We need to be in the Word. We need to be praying and seeking Him. We need to be hooking up with like-minded people. Don't get caught up in everything that you're seeing and hearing. It's going to get worse. There's a war over this nation right now. And when we look to the institutions uh, and the places that we've always known as, as, as sources of inspiration or help, we're not going to see it. They're all being shaken. Everything that can be shaken is being shaken. Now is the time. The Lord said this, when you begin to see these things, He says, don't be like the rest of everybody and freak out. He said, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And he said, you look up because your redemption is drawing near. Our hope is what it's always been, not in this world, but in the return of the Lord. And we need to ask ourselves, do we really believe that? Do you? Do you know him? Do you love him? His hand is being extended 
And He loves you. And He loves us. Listen to the voice of His Spirit. He will protect you in these days. Draw near to Him while He may yet be found. We love you guys. Our hope is in nothing less but Jesus Christ. And that's what I encourage you to seek Him. These are dangerous days. But like Isaiah told us by the Spirit of the Lord, hide yourself. Prepare an ark for the saving of your family. However the Holy Spirit leads you to do that. Do it. Listen to His voice. Get familiar with Him. He's coming soon. Until then, let's be wise. And let's be right. And let's love one another. God bless you. I know I went long today, but I hope uh, to see you again next week. Be safe out there. Take care of each other. And keep looking up. God bless. She stumbled through the tears that made her blind. She felt such pain. Some spoke in anger. Heard folks whisper, there's no place here for her kind. Still on she came through the shame that flushed her face. Until at last she knelt before his feet And though she spoke no words Everything she said was heard As she poured her love for the master From her box of alabaster And I've come to pour my praise on him like oil from Mary's alabaster box. So don't be angry if I wash his feet with my tears and dry them with my hands. of the oil in my alabaster box. See, I can't forget the way my life used to be. I was a prisoner to the sin that had me bound. And I spent my days I poured my life without measure into a little treasure box I thought I'd found. Until that day when my Jesus came to me and he healed my soul with the wonder of his touch. So now I'm giving back to him 
Oh. 